Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, church. Welcome to another installment of Church Online. Before we get started this morning, uh, we have something special we need to do, and we're going to pray, but we're going to pray specifically for Jessica Gossett Thornton. This is her right here, young lady in our church. Jessica happens to be a member of our PrEP program, which if you're not familiar, that's our prisoner reentry project. It's led in our church by Pastor Lindell. does a great job. We've been doing this for a number of years. And what the program does in a nutshell is it takes uh, people that are incarcerated in the Texas prison system and they're moved to Randall County Jail and Randall County in coordination with Moore Church. We uh, uh, help to rehabilitate, to uh, teach basic life skills and to help people get a job and help them to get a car and a phone and a driver's license and a lot of things they need when they get out of jail. And so when they get through with this program, hopefully they have a lot better chance of making it in society than they do before they went in. Uh, the success rate's been very high, and Pastor Lindell does a tremendous job. And normally he does what I'm about to do, but he's not here this morning, so I'm going to pray for Jessica Gossett Thornton. And so if you would, just hold out your hand towards wherever you're looking at this on, or you know, hold out your hand towards Randall County Jail, wherever you are, and let's just pray for Jessica. She gets out on May 13th, and uh, she will be released, and she's going into the real world, and we want her to succeed. And we know a big part of that success, and she knows it too, is to walk with the Lord and be active in church. And so, you know, we as the church, we make commitments to these folks to keep up with them and to pray for them. And so let's do that now, uh, pray for Jessica. So Jessica, wherever you are, I know you're in jail probably watching this, just stand up, and uh, whoever's around her, lay hands on her, and let's pray. God, we just pray for Jessica now in the name of Jesus, and we declare over her that she is going to walk with you all the days of her life. We, we declare over her that she's going to have a successful life, that she will not ever go back to prison, that she will not get involved with the people that, that are a bad influence for her, that she will walk uprightly before you, God, that she will be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. I pray protection over her mind, protection over her body. I pray, God, if she gets out into the world, she would not operate in fear but she would operate in faith and that she would stay connected to your church as long as she lives on this earth. And we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're about to get into the Word of God, and uh, we're going to talk about, um, you know, overcoming in this uh, difficult time that we're all going through. In fact, I've heard it said, and you have too, that, you know, whenever you're going through something that's difficult, you might say, hey, we're all in this together, or you know, we're all in the same boat. And I had seen something, and maybe you've seen it too, it was circulating around social media, and it was entitled, We're in the Same Storm, But We're Not in the Same Boat. And it was an unknown author, but it was very good, and I, I'm sure that many of you saw it. I read it, and I was inspired, and I took the liberty of writing my own thoughts uh, based upon that article. 
because I think it's very good and it fits into what I want to talk about this morning. Um, so we're all in the same storm, but we're definitely not in the same boat. Because some people's boats, they're cruise ships. You know, they got plenty of money. Uh, they've not lost a beat on getting a paycheck. Um, they've got that stimulus money from the government. Uh, they're doing fine. They seem to be just cruising through this thing, and it really doesn't seem that hard on them at all. But you know, there's a lot of people whose boats, they're not cruise ships. In fact, they're little rowboats, and they're almost sinking. Some people have lost their job, their income completely. Some people are even on the verge of losing their businesses. And so it's a very different kind of boat. They're not cruising through. In fact, they're afraid that their boat might be capsized completely. You know, some people are isolating at home and they're comfortable, they're enjoying their family and they're reconnecting with their spouse. Their home is full of love and joy and everything. But you know, there's some people that they're, they're stuck at home and it's not comfortable. They're stuck at home with maybe a raging, violent alcoholic. There might be people stuck at home with a verbally and physically abusive person. And so it's a very different boat. Some people are stuck at home or they're isolating at home and they're having family time and game night and they're eating dinner together for the first time in a long time. And then there's some people that live alone and their loneliness is so painful, it's just overwhelming. Some people are going through this pandemic and they're trusting God and they're going through it as a time of faith and peace and reflection and they're growing in the Lord. And some people can't find peace no matter what they do. You know, they pray and pray and pray and it seems like Fear just comes up in their heart all the time. Some people are spending huge amounts of their time in the Word of God and in prayer. And then there's other people that are spending huge amount of their time on social media, spending time listening to things that are causing them to be angry and, and accusatory and, and even uh, upset. So it's a very different way that everybody's going through this. You know, some go through it and it seems like nothing. And then there's others that just have trouble even getting out of bed in the morning. It's so, it's so d difficult. Well, we're all in that same storm, but we're definitely in different boats. I wish that we were all in the same boat. I wish we were all in Jesus' boat. I wish Jesus was in everybody's boat, but I know, I know he's not. So the question starts today. We say, what's your boat look like? You know, everybody's boat's different. It's the same storm. This pandemic's all around the world. It's so strange. This is the first time in my life that I've ever known one thing that's against the whole world. It's like humanity against this disease. But we're not in the same boats. So what does your boat look like? Because I want to say this to you. Regardless of what your boat looks like, regardless of how you're spending your time, it's really a time for great grace and understanding for all different kinds of people because everybody's going through this, this thing in a different way. Psalm 139.14 says, Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. You know, what that means is that there's not two people in the world that are exactly the same. Only God could do that. All these billions of people around the planet, and there's not one of us that's the same. We're, we're all so complex. We're not simple creatures. You know, some people are, are created by God to handle stress in stressful situations better than others. Some people are not. Think about the parable of the talents. You remember that talent, uh, parable of the talents Jesus told? He said that before people were even born, that God decides, you know, one person gets five talents, one gets three, one gets one, and, you know, they, 
they get that, those talents based upon how God sees them and their abilities in the earth. So we're not all created equal. We're not all created the same. We're very complex. And so when we go through something that's different, difficult, you know, you're going to see some people that seem to be thriving. And then there's going to be some people that seem to be barely surviving. And so if you're one of those people that's barely surviving, don't look at someone that's thriving and feel bad about yourself. It's not time to judge. It's time for grace. I'm saying to you, cut yourself some slack. Give yourself some grace. Just because you're different than doesn't mean you're less than. And if you happen to be one of those people that's thriving, that this thing seems like no big deal to you, you know, it doesn't make you superior in any way. It just makes you different. Please keep in mind that it may be no big deal to you, but this might be absolutely life-altering for someone else. So it's time for great grace. It's not time for judgment. You know, you may not understand that really there's a long, when you have long-term stress, that there, it, can it can take a huge emotional toll on most people. And people handle that very differently. And so we don't want to get into comparison because comparison is what judgment comes from. When we begin to compare ourselves to other people and we feel less than, or when we compare ourselves to other people and we feel greater than, that causes judgment both ways. And it's not a time to do that. It's a time for everyone to give everybody grace and to understand we're all very different. Some people are going to go through this one way and some another, and it's okay. James 1.21, I love this out of the message, this message translation of this verse. So throw off all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil, in which I put in there in brackets, judging others. But throw it all in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with his word, making a salvation garden of your life. I, I absolutely love the way the message translates this verse. The cancerous evil. He says to throw it in the garbage. This cancerous evil, I don't know if you know this, but if you've fallen into judgment and blame and accusation and that, you've got a cancer that's trying to eat you up. It's a cancerous evil. I don't know if you know anything about cancer, but it does not stop until it takes someone's life. Unless we stop it medically, it doesn't stop. And that's the way this judgment is. That's the way when this gets into our soul, it's a cancerous evil. You need to throw it off and throw it in the trash. It's not doing you any good. And then let the gardener God build a garden, making a salvation garden inside of you, making a salvation garden of your life. I don't know. I just want to say this. God's word can restore your soul. That's what it's saying there. It's God's word that, that landscapes our life. And so I just want to encourage you, just start with God's word every day, and your life will get better. Your days will get better. Don't begin your day just listening to the news or getting on social media. Don't do that. Just start your day with the word of God. Something so simple can change your whole perspective. Begin with his word. Psalm 119.37 says this, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. It's clear in Psalms. He's saying, God, help me turn my life, turn my eyes away from, from worthless things. There's some things in, world, in the world that are worthless, and we fix our eyes on them sometimes, and I don't know why, 
but we, we fix our focus on something that's totally worthless. I'll just say this. Judging other people, it's worthless. You know, looking at other people and comparing yourself, that's worthless. If you want to have a life and you want to, and you want to go through this thing with a positive attitude and an optimistic outlook, let God's word inside of you. He gives life through his word. Oh, God, turn our eyes away from judgment and restore our souls with your word. Restore our emotions with your word. I don't know if you know this, but some, one of the things that happens during long-term stress, and it's, it's been scientifically proven, is people that are in stressful situations for a long period of time, they're emotional, they become emotionally depleted. They become emotionally empty or it's like their, their tank is run out. It's totally empty. And this verse is saying one of the ways we begin to fill up our emotional tank is to get our eyes off things that don't matter and get our eyes on the Word of God because it's through that that we can have life. We can have restoration. He can refill our tanks. But I love this idea from the message verse that we read just a minute ago that we would let God landscape us with his word. I don't know if you think about this, but God loves gardens. <laughs> you know, you read that verse and you think, well, that's an odd thing to say God the gardener. But you, you realize in Genesis 2.8, he said that the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east. Now think about that, Genesis 2. This is the beginning of the world. God thought about the world. He said, I'm going to make the world. I'm going to make mankind. Those were thoughts in God's mind before he ever created the world. And then he created the world. And then one of the first things he does is he plants a garden. Now, I know a lot of you at this time of year are going out and getting plants and putting them in your yards and you're choosing plants. You want the right color and the right type and you want this to come up then and that. You know, we, we plant it all out. I want to tell you, God's that way too. When God planted a garden, it was spectacular. The colors, the choices, perfect. Everything was done for a reason. God had something in his mind, and it was, it was pleasing to God to plant a garden. One of the first things he did, and you just imagine what it was like. But why a garden? Why a garden, God? Well, I think it's because God loves gardens, number one, because they're full of peace, and they're full of tranquility, and they're full of beauty. You see, it's focusing your eyes on something that matters versus something that doesn't. I don't know if you've noticed this in the Bible, but you can read this thing cover to cover, and there's not any place that God visited regularly like he visited in the Garden of Eden. It said that in the cool of the day, in the morning, in the evening, he was walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That's fascinating. He loved to go there. He loved to hang out in the garden. Because he loves peace. He loves tranquility and he loves beauty. And that's what he wants to create in every single person's life. He wants to landscape us with his word. He wants to, lands he wants to build a garden in the heart of every single believer. So that we would have a place that we could retreat to. That's full of peace and beauty and tranquility. That's a spiritual thing that God does inside of each one of us. I'm so thankful for my backyard during this time. I've been really thankful for our beautiful weather, uh, springtime. It's been just one of the most beautiful springs we've had. And, and we just, Wendy and I love to go in the backyard. We go out there most every evening 
and sit. And sometimes we just sit and, and talk, but sometimes we just sit and, and look. And uh, we've been doing it for years. We've lived in the same house for like 17 years, and we just never grow tired of going in the backyard and sitting there and looking at the sunlight come through the trees or watching the sunset. We just don't ever get tired of it. And I think it's because God's created us that way. He's created us to love the natural beauty that's in the world. And so many times when we go through something that's difficult, we focus our eyes on all the negative, all the things that are going on that are bad. We get, we get just focused on things that are coming over the TV. And, st- and, and God says, stop. Go into nature. Go outside. Find a garden. Find a place. Maybe you don't have a great backyard. Maybe you don't even live in a good neighborhood. But there are great neighborhoods and great places around this city, and you can find one. And I would just encourage you to go there. Go there on a regular basis and commune with God. I can tell you that God still visits those beautiful outdoor places, and he will visit you there, and it can restore your soul. Just think about Adam and Eve, though. You know, in the garden with God. They got to see what God planted. They got to live in it. They walked around with God in that garden. They heard him speak. They saw him face to face. They knew God, and they loved God. They saw how awesome he was. They had awesome times with God. But the sad thing is, God told them what to do and what not to do, and he didn't do that because he was being mean to them. He wasn't doing that because he didn't want them to have fun. God told Adam and Eve what to do and not to do because he loved them and he wanted what was best for them. He planted that garden in such a beautiful place. It was such a wonderful place. And then it said that he made Adam and Eve the crown of his creation and he wanted them to tend that garden. God put that treasure in the hand of man. And then he said, hey, but here's what you do. And here's what you don't do. But after it was all said and done, they did not do what God told them to do. They didn't believe what God told them to do was what was best. God said, I don't want you to eat the fruit that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because it will bring death into your life. But they didn't believe that. As much time as they had spent with God in that beautiful place, they believed in God more than probably anybody that's ever lived on the face of the earth because they saw him. They talked to him. And God said, don't eat that fruit. But they did. Why? Well, it's simple. They just didn't believe God, what God told them was what was best. It's the same thing we do. So many times we love God. We love to spend time with God. We know God in a way that's just really, really special and intimate. But when God comes into our life and he tells us something gently and lovingly and we know it's for our own good, we disregard it and we don't do it. And sometimes the consequences can be so awful. Look what it did to Adam and Eve. He told them, don't do that, and they did it. And it, it, it ruined their life. Their life completely fell apart. But you see, it was dishonoring to God. It was dishonoring to God because, you know, God tells us what to do, and, and it's for our best, and he loves us more than anything, and he, and he wants to give us an abundant life, 
And yet, sometimes we would rather believe the devil than believe God. And that happens all the time. And in Adam's case, he believed Eve more than he believed God. And sometimes we believe people more than we believe God. God tells us specifically what's good for us and what's not. And then we question it. We question it. And the consequences can be devastating. James 2.19, he has this verse, and it's very common, but I think it's a little bit unusual if you really just look at it. He said, you believe there's one God and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You know, Adam and Eve had no trouble believing in God. And some people think that's enough. You know, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, you know, so I'm, I'm fine. But you see, it went beyond that. That's, Adam and Eve believed God existed, and even the demons of hell believed God existed. But the difference is, do we do what he wants us to do so we can be in the place where God can pour out his blessing? Adam and Eve did not do what God told them to do, and they lost their whole world. You know, Jesus in Matthew 7, he said it completely in a different way. This will not come up on your screen I'm just going to refer to it because it's very familiar scripture. But I just want you to hear what he says. Jesus says, if anyone listens to my teaching and follows it, he's wise. He's like a, a person that builds his house on a solid rock. Though it, the rain comes, the torrents, the floodwaters rise, the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on a rock. You see, what he's saying is not if the storm comes. The storms are always going to come. He says, I'm going to offer you my word. I'm going to, get, I'm going to tell you things to do that will help your life be insulated from the devastation that can come into the world. And because of the, the lack of obedience sometimes, because we hear God's word and we don't put it into practice into our life, we take ourselves out of that protected place. He said, anyone that hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person that builds their house on, a, on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds blow against that house, it's going to collapse and it's going to have a mighty fall. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. You see, it's not enough just to know God or just to believe in God. It's not enough to just even spend time with him or even to have a special relationship. All those things are wonderful. But when those gentle voices of the Holy Spirit come and tell you to go in this way or go in that way or to not do this and to not do that, it's not something that's supposed to hurt you or restrict you. It's something that God wants you to do so you can come into fuller blessing. He wants you to step into the full blessing. He wants you to be in the most beautiful place like Adam and Eve. It's so important. James 1.22, and when we get into the book of James and he's talking about you know, becoming an overcomer in the times of trial. He says these words over and over in his little book of five chapters. He says in James 1.22, Be doers of the word, not hearers only. And then look at this last phrase, deceiving yourself. Deceiving yourself. You know, there's people that are deceived. These are people that hear the word of God. These are people that are in church every week. Maybe they read their Bible. Maybe they hear the word of God. But they just haven't put the connection together that it's more important to do it than just hear it. And it brings deception. You know, I've got a strange story here, but when I was in sales, I heard a story from one of my customers, and 
you know, it's one of those where you wonder if it's true, but he said it was true. Uh, it was about a man that, uh, he was an older man, and he, um, he, he, he wore glasses, and he couldn't see well without them. And one morning he got up, and he didn't put on his glasses, and he went in to brush his teeth. And he reached down, and he grabbed the uh, tube of toothpaste, and he put it on his toothbrush, and he put it in his mouth, and he started brushing his teeth, and instantly he knew it wasn't toothpaste. What he had done was he brushed his teeth with hemorrhoid cream. Well, he didn't know that until he put it in his mouth. And that's a crazy story, but you think, I, I think it has tremendous spiritual application. You know, it, we're kind of like that, that tube. When you, we know when times in life get tough and you get squeezed, you, what comes out sometimes isn't what you expect. There's people that are deceived because they don't do the Word of God. They just hear the Word of God. And when they go through something difficult, it, it, what begins to come out of them is something they're like, oh my goodness, where'd this come from? Where'd all this anger come from? Where'd all this judgment come from? Where'd all this fear come from? They've, they've been walking in a, in a deception because they have never learned. To, you know, it's beyond just spending time with God. It's letting God get inside of you and letting God begin to transform your heart. Become a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only. When we're squeezed and things come out that we didn't expect, it's not a time to beat ourselves up or condemn ourselves. You know, actually it's a time for you to have reflection. Like we said a few weeks ago, the Word of God is a mirror. It's supposed to show us what we really look like. And as we get into this word and we come up against this word, many times, like when times of trial, when you're squeezed and what comes out, it, it's not what you expected. In fact, it's worthless. That hemorrhoid clean cream did not clean his teeth. It's worthless for what he was trying to do. And sometimes when we get into trials, we find out that our faith is pretty much worthless because we've really never grown. James 1.26 James talks about this just real blunt. He says, if anybody thinks he's religious and he doesn't bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. This person's religious religion is worthless. Worthless. A person can hear God's word, even know God's word, and think that he's really religious, but he can be completely deceived. His heart can be deceived, and religion could be worthless. When you get into a time of trial, it doesn't do anything for you. You, you look around and you think, well, what's the difference in believers and non-believers? It doesn't seem like there's any difference. But it's because you've never learned to be a doer of God's Word. You know, tough times, we, we discover that our faith may not be as mature as what we thought it was. And I just want to say, that's okay. It really is okay. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. What I'm saying is it sometimes is a revelation for us that there's areas of our life that are lacking because we just really haven't grown like we thought we had. I just want to say that's okay. And God desires honesty and humility a lot more than he desires perfection. Honestly, knowing what I just described is that you're in this time of trial and what's going on in your life is something you're not proud of. That's a good place to be because you're, you're, you're honestly evaluating the situation. You know, God doesn't condemn us. In fact, in James 4, 6, and 7, he says this. In fact, God treats us with even greater kindness. 
Just as the scriptures say, God opposes everyone who is proud, but he is kind to everyone that is humble. Surrender to God. Resist the devil, and he will run from you. You see, it's in times like these, these times of trial, that we really have to stay humble and resist the devil. We have to resist that temptation to fall into that zone of judgment of ourselves or of anyone else. We have to really step into the zone of grace and understand that God is a merciful God, and he desires for his children to be merciful children. So as we go into the end of this message, I really just kind of want to restate some of the things that I've said today and sort of just get some basic, good, practical things. I, th I think there's four things that I really want you to come away from today, from this message that I've preached. And number one is, I really want you to consciously, purposely, give yourself and everyone around you extra grace during this season. No one on the face of this earth has lived through anything like what we're living through. Nobody. Your leaders haven't. The mayor of our city hasn't. Our president hasn't. Our Congress hasn't. The world leaders haven't. The, the, the health organizations haven't. No one has lived through any of this ever before. And so it's time for grace and not judgment. I think people are figuring out things as they go, and there's been mistakes made, and there'll probably be more made. But the truth is, it's not time for us to stand up and condemn and accuse and judge. That's not what God said to do. He said to be a doer of his word. When Jesus said, those that hear my words and do them, they build their house on a rock. Do you realize what the very first command in that same chapter is from Jesus? Judge not lest you be judged. That's one of the words he's referring to when he says, if you're wise, you will build your life on my words. And the very first words in that chapter are, judge not lest you be judged. Because the same measure which you judge others, you will be judged. We don't want that kind of pressure on ourselves, and we shouldn't put that pressure on anyone else. Number two, it goes right along with that. Just resist the urge to speak judgmental words against other people. Resist the urge to speak negative words against other people. We read that scripture a minute ago. He said, your religion is useless because it's, it's proof because you don't bridle your tongue. That's what he's saying. He's saying mature Christians, mature people, faith-filled believers that are doing the word of God, they bridle their tongue. They don't say every ugly thing that comes into their mind, even if they feel like they're justified. James 3, 9 through 10. My dear friends, with our tongues we speak both praises and curses. We praise our Lord and our Father, and we curse people who were created to be like God. This isn't right. There's just a real black and white thing. It's just not fitting for God's children to do that. Because why? Because true faith expresses itself in love. True faith expresses itself in love. It does not express itself in knowing the right answer. It does not express itself in knowing more Bible than anybody else. It doesn't express itself on how you can condemn sin or how much you can control the sin in your own life. It, expre it expresses itself in love. That's a mature believer. Because, you know, really, followers of Jesus, those that have true faith in Jesus, we understand 
that we don't fight against principalities. I mean, we don't fight against the flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers in the world. Our battle is not in the physical. Therefore, the, the, the judgmental, harmful words do no good because that's not where the battle's even being fought. The enemy wants to bring the whole world under his sway, under his accusing, you know, judgmental sway. We must know what spirit we're of. And we must stay in the vein of being a doer of the word of God. The number three thing I want you to do is I want you to start your day with the word of God. No matter what your situation is, and I'm not asking you to read 10 chapters a day, what I'm asking you to do is just open it up. Maybe you can read a chapter. That's great. If you can only read a verse, read a verse. But meditate on that and let that get inside your heart. It will change your day. Because it's the Word of God that brings you life. It's the Word of God that refreshes your soul. It can begin to fill back up your emotional bankruptcy or your, your emotional uh, um, depletion, the Word of God. Because God's Word is the only answer, because it's the only thing that's strong enough and powerful enough to feed our soul and get us through this time in a positive way. Number four, I want to just encourage you to get outside Get outside your house. Maybe you've been cooped up too long. Get outside. Find a beautiful place. Get alone with God and meditate. Let him speak to you in the cool of the day. And here's a great piece of scripture we're going to close with that it's just great to meditate on. It's out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. God loves you and has chosen you as his own special people. So be gentle be kind, be humble, be meek, and be patient. Just put up with each other and forgive anyone who does you wrong, just like Christ has forgiven you. Love is more important than anything else. It's what ties everything completely together. Love is the most important thing. It's what ties everything together. And I guarantee you, love is, what, is what's always bound this church together. It's what's brought these people together, this eclectic group, which we all are. It's what binds us together, and it's what will bring us back together. It's the love of God and the love that we have one for another. So as this ministry time, I want to pray for, for us like we do each week. And, and this week, I think I just want to ask you if you would just Make sort of a recommitment in your heart to God. A recommitment to read his word, but not just read it, but to really do it. And if the Holy Spirit speaks something to you, just be quick to listen and then quick to respond. Be sensitive to what he wants. It could change your life so much for the better. Allow God to, to, to direct you into the blessing flow that he has for you. And don't let yourself be deceived into thinking that that blessing can come from anywhere else. So just bow your heads with me and, and let's just pray. God, today we just recommit our heart to you. We open our heart to you, God, and we say we want you to have your way with us because, God, we really do want to honor you by trusting you, by believing you, and by following you. God, don't let us go our own way. Don't let us listen to the devil more than we listen to you. Don't let us listen to other people don't let them drag us around. God, let us 
listen to you and let you direct our steps. I thank you, God, that you love us. I thank you that you're with us. And I pray for those, God, that are out there that maybe they've fallen into that judgment trap. Maybe they've fallen, but they just have a judgmental heart. I pray, God, right now that you would put your lot of your word on them, God, and just show them that they can't bridle their own tongue. But, Jesus, you can give them self-control. And that tongue can be bridled through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray for them now, God, that they would be set free to not be judgmental and not let that cancerous evil eat their soul up anymore. And then I want to pray, God, for those that are just emotionally drained, that they can't hardly get out of bed in the morning, or maybe they just feel like they don't have any motivation to do anything and they're almost depressed. I pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask God that you'd put your healing hand on their heart. Speak a word of life to them, God. And like a resurrection, God, let them raise out of this slumber. Let them resurrect out of this this dry place they are. And let them begin to walk in the fullness that you've created them to walk in. God, you and your word are powerful enough to change a life. And so, God, we just ask you to come change our lives for the better. We recommit our heart to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. We'll be together soon. God bless. Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers. Um, I am just, this is my first Mother's Day, so I'm really blessed and uh, I'm really excited that I have a little one that get to call my own and he's amazing and I just want to pray a blessing over all of the mothers and um, today our our set list the first song that we're doing I I just wanted to sing it um, for the mothers in this season Um, I know that it's been difficult for me um, just being at home and and I know I've heard from so many of my friends and um, that are moms that it's been a hard season for parents in general, but just, I want us to remember to worship and to let go and to lean back today. And I know that the Lord wants to give us a grace and a strength um, to go through this season in grace and in strength. And so, God, I just pray over every mother, God, that you would just put your hand upon us, bless us, God. You are so faithful, and you are so wonderful. God, you bring peace to our lives. You bring strength to our heart, to our mind, to our spirits, God. And we just want to praise you. God, just let us worship you with our spirit. Let us worship you just with our whole being today, God, and to lean back and to just be with you this morning. We love you so much. And God, we thank you that we can call upon you.
felt it particularly strong on my heart to to sing songs about breath and the breath of life and the breath of God and Lindsay and I we were talking about that and she kind of just brought it up to me and it it's just been really strong because this whole COVID sickness is against you know our breath and our respiratory stuff and and just knowing that God is the breath of life and that he breathes deep or that he breathes in us and we could breathe deep in him. And just like this song says, know that he is good and there's nothing like him. And so I just encourage all of us to just breathe deep. just know that he is good. Yes, Jesus. Jesus. 